0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Wins, bonus edition of the podcast with the Gridiron, gridiron Geeks. Excuse me. Oh, it's, it's already week eight, and I'm, I'm starting to lose it here. Anyway, normally uh, it, it's it's Steven Ruiz on, on the line with us, but he's out today. So instead, I brought in our resident... Half Brit, half American, all NFL loving co-worker, Luke Hrdineen. Hi, Luke. How are you?
1: I'm great. You know, it's a good day. Stephen isn't here. We we can we can talk about the quality of Marcus Mariota and defend Alex Smith, and we can rip on Jameis Winston. It's it's going to be a good podcast. I'm really excited for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you do realize that he will come back next week and rip you uh, uh, twice as much, but that's okay. That's that's uh, you know the. the of the game here
1: it's a, a long-standing for the win tradition to be publicly ripping our co-workers when they in informs in which they can't respond so that is it that is a sacrifice <laughs> i'm willing to make
0: i love it uh let's get right down to it it is uh post week eight before monday night football that we are taping this so uh we're gonna just jump in do a little you know fantasy real life football uh stuff as we do every week so we're gonna jump right in with a a subject that is near and dear to Luke's heart. Um, as always, we start with four downs, four issues that we want to talk about the NFL. And the question is, what is Deshaun Watson's ceiling? And and Luke, uh, l- let me just lead off here. Luke has uh, was talking about Deshaun Watson before the season and saying how high he was. And we were all laughing at him. Like, he's not going to be that good. But Luke, I got to hand it to you. You knew it coming into the season.
1: Well, I, I must say that, like, granted, we all make predictions. Some of them work, some of them don't. But I was pretty high on Deshaun Watson. I think everybody who has followed me on Twitter or seen any number of things I wrote, you know, I was really excited when we went to Houston. I wanted Houston to get somebody like Romo initially because I thought he would transform them into a Super Bowl contender. But when they ended up getting Deshaun um, when, they, when they ended up getting Deshaun I was I was incredibly excited because I was like oh this could be maybe not a Super Bowl team but at least a sort of playoff run uh, team so you know I think it, this was just one of these things where when you looked at the disparity of college football fans or people who watch a lot of college football and NFL fans and people who watch mostly NFL um, there was just a massive disparity based on what People thought, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the reasons why in a bit. But um, ask any college football fan. And indeed, it wasn't a coincidence that Nick Saban was raving about Deshaun Watson. Um, this is no, this this doesn't really come as a surprise to them. I mean, Deshaun Watson was one of the best quarterbacks to be coming out of college, statistically speaking, of the last five years at least. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's that big of a surprise. But apparently it was.
0: Yeah, well, I think his ceiling is has still yet to be reached. I think that we're seeing raw so you know sort of raw football from him, right? The guy throws downfield, he's got the great personnel around him. He's, you know, great on his feet. So if we're seeing this in year 1 and the potential for him, you know, especially coached by a guy like Bill O'Brien, the the possibility for him to be even better than this is scary, right? Like the idea is maybe he's, you know, just going to fall into form in a way that that, you know, maybe he's a little more accurate. Maybe he's, you know, uses his feet in a more creative way uh, to, you know, sometimes, you know, running quarterbacks can be reckless. Maybe he learns from that. So I think the ceiling is even higher. And from a fantasy perspective, he's a quarterback, I think, who's who's absolutely no doubt going to be top five next year and probably will perform around that next year. um You think about like Dak Prescott who's a running quarterback um who's proven it this year, you know, similar numbers, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I think when I think in terms of ceiling, that um, he saw Russell Wilson as the guy who jumps to mind, right? So, s- so he's yeah. pretty mobile, who's a dual threat guy. Um, and look, like there were some legitimate concerns uh, around Deshaun Watson coming out of college, specifically in his ability to throw downfield and his ability to stay calm um, or, or rather to make good decisions when he's getting rushed. Um, he tends to look a little frantic sometimes. Those are definitely two things that can be coached uh, coached, or can be improved upon, can be coached out of, uh, especially young quarterbacks. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't think he's going to completely change his skill set to become an Aaron Rodgers, like really sort of – spiral down you know good spiral downfield guy I th- I think he uh, when I think of ceilings Russell Wilson is sort of the best fit in my mind
0: that's pretty uh, that's a pretty high ceiling right there um, before we move on I just wanted to, to, to note how awesome it is to see him fitting in seamlessly with with the personnel there because you've got DeAndre Hopkins who is you know a solid receiver who you know was sort of begging to, to have a good quarterback after last year's disaster and then you got Will Fuller who can't stop catching touchdown downfield with that speed so it's pretty incredible to watch what's happening there in Houston
1: and I think he sort of adds a bit of spice to that offense too right I mean like what happened essentially with Deshaun uh Deshaun Watson coming into this season or during the offseason rather ahead of the draft was that people had seen so much of him in college that a lot of scouts got started nitpicking about what he can't do oh he can't do this he can't do that but what he can do is improvise in really exciting and interesting ways and he kind of make plays and he sure he, he he's not an elite downfield guy yet at least but he um he sort of is a he's he's sort of a slight master of none but a very with high sort of playmaking ability which allows him to just cause an element of chaos in the opposition defense, right? Like you can sort of get away with not being incredibly accurate when you're the guy who tends to break plays open, you know, because all of a sudden you have receivers standing in acres of space. um, it, it, It Suddenly that throw becomes a lot easier to make something supreme accuracy. Um, it is obviously incredibly important when you're the guy who isn't very mobile and who needs a good pocket around him and who's sort of throwing through very tight windows. But Deshaun Watson's never been that guy. He wasn't that guy in college. He was the kind of break the defense play and then um, and, and see what he can do. So, yeah, it, this obsession about what he couldn't do, I think, is what the Texans are actually benefiting from now because he can mix it up in, in just really dynamic ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's keep going. Uh, we picked a few topics that are near and dear to Luke's heart here because you know uh, he, he, he you're you're more like a master of everything, not a master of none, oh, as you said, John. You. <laughs> so we got to ask. Uh, as an Atlanta Falcons fan, you know who's winning the NFC South this year? It's it's a really tight race, actually, with three teams.
1: Yeah, you know what the really surprising one has been the Saints. I'm interested to hear your thoughts yeah. about this. Um, I still think I think the Falcons. I mean, I get no. I guess they're be, Falcons are pretty disappointing this year. I expected them to be disappointing, so they haven't been worse than I expected. They've been about... You know, I thought this Super Bowl hangover thing p- combined with their lackluster defense was going to catch up to them, and it seems to have caught up with them. Um, I still think the Carolina Panthers are going to do it. Um, they, they've had a really weird season. Their offense hasn't quite looked very good. Cam has been confusing, and what, this last... This last Slater game saw their first non-Cam Newton rushing touchdown of the season. These, to me, seem like anomalies. Um, they, they seem like problems that uh, are, are weird problems that will go away given enough, given the assuming the sample size gets big enough. So, um, and again, like with the Saints, notoriously questionable on the road, and their pass defense being was it what it is. I I think the Par- Carolina Panthers will. Get their act together though. Um I must say it's slightly concerning that they haven't really shown as much so far, you know. Um a, a, right. a blowout win over the Buccaneers yesterday would have been a would would have sort of made me a lot more confident in that opinion. But um I think the Panthers get it done.
0: I do too, and I what I, I, I think it's the Panthers division to lose. I'll put it that way. I if I was sort of putting bets on it and, and listeners should know, look and I do that quite a bit hypothetically. hypothetically. <clears throat> and Hypothetically. So I think that the Panthers right now are probably going to win that division um, almost by default in a weird way. I, I do have a belief in the Saints in a few ways. The The, the defense is so much better. And and Steven has talked about this on, on the podcast about the secondary being better. And like it's time to start talking about Marshawn Lattimore being really, really good. He's you know, they hardly throw his way because he's he's that good um, as the 11th overall pick. That was a solid pick on defense for the Saints. Do I think it lasts the rest of the season? I don't know. I'm not buying it there. You know, Cameron Jordan's having a great season, but is the rest of the defense kind of there yet? I I think they need a, like a few more people on 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 that defense with talent. You know, I'm not saying that you know, and look, Saints listeners, I'm not calling out the defense for being terrible. I just think that, you know, they're on the rise. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so I- yeah, I, I don't see them winning that division, uh, even with the offense uh, working as it is. You know, Drew Brees hasn't looked this. You know, the same old Drew Brees. I mean, age is going to catch up with him at some point, but he's he's still terrific.
1: Still terrific. And it's also worth noting too that they've they're on a slate of five wins, but they've also played uh, four the last uh, four, or at least three very easy games. Miami and London, Detroit, who are just on a downswing and then, um, the, the Aaron Roger Green Bay Packers. So, um, these are games that, that Carolina actually still have to come to, you know, that they have to play the, the have to, in the next three weeks, they're playing the dolphins and the jets. Um, and then after, and then towards the end of the season, they're playing the Packers and the bucks and the Falcons, who may be out of it by that point. So, um, I do think that, uh, the schedule also favors Carolina.
0: Dude, that is true. I mean, you, you look at playing Atlanta twice, once in, in, in the Mercedes, uh, in, in the, uh, The new, the new, the new, uh, I don't know how to phrase it, the new stadium, I guess. I'm looking at their schedule. It's like so confusing. You've got the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and then the Mercedes-Benz Superdome right on top of each other, which is (laughs) Uh, But yeah, and Carolina plays them at New Orleans in in the Superdome. That's going to be a huge, huge game. I still think Carolina gets together. And one thing that I'm noticing, you know, Christian McCaffrey, not having the greatest time there. I think what's going to happen is, and and maybe we saw it last week, is that they're going to stop kind of trying to make Cam Newton do un-Cam Newton-like things, you know, trying to to make him maybe, you know, with the short passing game that they were trying to implement uh, in the offseason. I think at some point they let the reins go and say, all right, Cam, you know, you want to lead this team, you're going to have to do it the way you want it. And, you know, we'll we'll shelve the sort of the the Christian McCaffrey stuff. And and I'm not saying Christian McCaffrey is going to have the worst year the rest of the way. But I just if his usage goes down, it means that they're going to, start, you know, continue to look downfield with Funches and with Calvin Benjamin, who's having a great season. Uh, I, I see that continuing. Uh, just letting Cam be Cam you know
1: Yeah McCaffrey's one of those guys where if you could get him moving it's like a really exciting piece to have so it's like a very tempting option to want to pursue you know you 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 kind of yeah. you kind of want a team with Christian McCaffrey at his best and Cam Newton at his best because man that's going to be that's just so difficult to stop but it hasn't hasn't quite gelled yet and I, and I think you make a good point there it's it's easy to see them sort of the Panthers sort of calling time on this after a while and be like, okay, let's go to what no, to, to what we know works.
0: Right. With cam. Uh, let's move on. Number three. And, and uh, again, I said a lot of, lot of Luke related things here. Luke looks half British in case you couldn't tell from the accent. Um, we have a lot of arguments uh, over lunch, you and I about London, but should the NFL get rid of NFL games in London? Now, I'm going to lead off with this because I listened to the game on the radio um, while driving back from a wedding. And it was thrilling. It was really exciting. I was partially because I was uh, rooting for Kyle Rudolph to get a touchdown, which he did. Talk about your fantasy team, right, Charles? Uh, (laughs) So my answer is I'm okay with the games in London. I'm okay with them. Um, They're a little weird and wacky. I I don't want so many of them. I want like I want to be kind of special. I want like two. You know, they what do they have four or five this year? It it feels like there's one every other week, and I'm sort of like over it after the first one. I think playing Wembley is really cool. Um, and if you make it really really special as opposed to uh, over and over again, it sort of loses its luster. Um, as for a team in London, and I'm I'm on team no way for this. But um, so I would say did the NFL dial down the London games? And you know get rid of Thursday night at football together and we'll, and we'll be okay. What, what's your feeling on this? Luke?
1: So my feeling on this is, I you know, I've, I've written multiple times. I think the, um, NFL will have a team in London before long. And I think it should. Um, I think it's incredibly popular over there and only getting popular. I mean, look like we can talk about NFL games, lo- London NFL games, losing their luster for American based fans, but they sold out Twickenham again yesterday. What is this? Uh, yeah. six games this season they've had over there. Um, Six games or four games or something—I'm slipping my mind at the moment. But the point is, is that they, they sell them out every single time they do it. It would be the biggest market in the NFL in terms of city, and there would only be one team there. So there's so, and it would offer an avenue, avenue into the rest of Europe. So there's a massive opportunity there. To the point where I think it's a foregone conclusion. Um, I think one of the problems that a lot of London games, and I was at the Saints Dolphins London game, which was. Just awful. Bad. It was just such Terrible. a bad game. Um, I'm not quite sure. You know, it tends to be that they put some pretty poor teams over there. Um, I'm starting to come around to the argument that travel is actually starting to affect these games a little bit. Um, there you go. You know, which is uh, w- which is obviously frustrating. Um, I think the big problem though is that people think these London games are worse than they actually are because they exist in a soul in a time slot. Onto their own, right? Like I think if they were they stagger them so that these that on a normal NFL Sunday when there's a London game, you see the London game first, and then Red Zone comes on, and then you watch your uh, you watch your first slate of games, then you watch the evening slate of games, then Sunday night football. I actually think they should consider bumping the London games out of its own time slot back into this sort of uh, rest of the game time slot, and that way that. Um, there's not so much scrutiny on it and there's not so much ridicule if it doesn't turn into a legitimately really good game. I mean, there there are all kinds of... There's there's been a number of games this season that have ended in shutouts and that have ended in sort of low-scoring, drab affairs. Um, The Dolphins-Ravens game on Sunday night being the classic example, which was not played in London, but those get excessively scrutinised when they exist in their own time slot. So I think that's one of the big problems that the london games are running into
0: yeah and and that's where i that's where i get off the the london Train, I guess that would be the. the I get out of the channel now. Uh, the tube, yeah. <laughs> the tube. There you go. So I, I channel, Yeah, that was a vague question. Anyway, but my, my my point is here is exactly that is the logistical nightmare that it presents for traveling teams and also for the home team. And actually, while listening to that game on the radio, uh, whoever was was the Westwood One um, uh, color commentator was asked this question: Should there will there be a London team in the next ten years? And he said he doesn't think so because of partially because of the timing issues and you know if your if your body clock is off. You're going to play a worse game. We see that on Thursday night, and, and that's for other reasons too. Um, but he also said, "How do you get free agents to come over to London if they are established with a family?" And I, I thought that was a really good point. Like, are is a London team going to attract the the talent besides whoever they they draft? And that to me is is a bigger issue that the NFL has to think about. Um, uh, and, and again. And no offense to London here. It's a beautiful place to live. It's a great place. But if you're, you know, if you're living in the United States, you have your family around, like, I kind of wonder if that's an issue.
1: I don't know. See, like, that stuff to me is so overstated. I mean, like... W- will they attract free agents? I don't know. Like, if you went up to any American worker and said, "Hey, I'll double your wages if you go work in London," they'll probably say yes. You know, that's and that's <laughs> essentially going to be in the situation that a lot of these NFL guys are getting uh, th- that are going to find themselves in. And as for the time difference, I mean, look, like you you, you got to think from an English perspective too. English uh, English soccer teams for the Champions League are constantly jet setting around Europe. For this stuff, granted, there's not a five-hour time difference, but sometimes they're going deep into sort of continental Europe, which is definitely a sort of five-hour flight. They're going into Russia to play the Champions League. Um, so I, I think the only time the travel will really be an issue is if you get these situations where, um, where where the London team needs to go play San Francisco. At which point, they're going to need the NFL to help them out with the schedule because going from London to San Francisco to London to Seattle or something is like insane. They would need the NFL to sort of get maybe back to back away games or something to help them out. But I, I do think it's doable. I do think there are, it, you can get around some of those logistic concerns.
0: All right. We're going to leave that there. Cause we, we, you, Luke and I have talked about this a lot uh, away from this podcast and we could go on and on. Cause we've, we've spent uh, many a time talking about it. Question number four of our four downs. Will the Eagles fall to earth? What's your thinking?
1: I Keep saying yes to this question, and I keep getting proved wrong. Um, I do think they'll fall to it. I mean, they've just been just rampaging um, through the league. I mean, Ka- I mean, Carson Wentz is really. I mean, what he's got the second, I believe, the second best touchdown per- percentage in the league, and the sec or tied for the most touchdowns um, in the league. He's just looked so good. Um, so I guess I, I mean, I I I keep saying yes, but it's it. With every passing week, it's becoming less and less confident um, because they do look for real. Um, for, for whatever reason, Wentz has really kicked it up a notch this year. The entire team looks good, and and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see an early, uh, sort of an early exit in the playoffs. But I think that for them to have even gotten that far is 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 them performing, uh, is them performing above expectation.
0: Yeah, I mean they've won seven games already. They, they, you know, to clinch that division, maybe they need eleven or twelve. I mean, the 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 Cowboys are coming fast. Um, I I'm with you. I, I I keep wanting them to to kind of take a step back, but no, not at all. I think that they're they're legitimately going to win or have a shot, a really good shot at winning the NFC East. Um, and and that's kind of huge. Uh, because whoever you know, the, the NFC is so kind of together. Whoever they're going to face in the first round is going to be a really tough team. So I think, you know, if they, if they get a really good record and avoid that and get the buy, I mean, that's, that's a really big, big thing for this franchise. Um, I don't see them slowing down. I really, I used to think they would, but, um, I think my the best game of the season by far is going to be Philly Dallas after the buy in, in on November 19th. Um, I think that's Sunday night football too. Um, that'll be really huge. And, and they, they face each other again at the end of the season. Um, I think Eagles win at least one of those games. Uh, I legitimately think they can do it against Dallas's defense, um, uh, which I, again, I week to week on this podcast, I talk about it all the time. They're not that good. I, I don't think Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in the league, but he doesn't need to be. Um, he's certainly throwing like it for fantasy owners. He's been, uh, you know, a huge find, uh, you know, sleeper. He caused me to write uh, a whole column, uh, about, um, why you shouldn't draft a quarterback very high because he's, you know, whatever it is, the number three or four rated quarterback this year in fantasy. And he was a, you know, really deep pick. So was Deshaun Watson. You know, you can always find those guys later on, but yeah, I think that, that from a balanced football team point of view on both sides of the ball, they've got it. Pretty well. The only glaring problem is maybe the pass defense. That's that's that could be a problem. Um, But I think, you know, there's there might be some help on the way. Who knows, you know, uh, down the road. Uh, I think Ronald Darby is is, I I hope he's going to be back soon because he's kind of a huge uh, part of that that secondary. But yeah, I I think if if they can keep that kind of, you know, bend, don't break uh, in the secondary, they, they could really keep this going.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it, I, I think, uh, and if nothing else, Carlson Wentz has shown a lot of improvement year over year, which is which is an incredibly encouraging sign for Eagles fans.
0: Yeah, that's all you want. I mean, uh, uh, at least team on the rise, the arrows pointing up, and I think that's that's what you want. All right, let's move on. We we next usually do our unpopular opinions, so I'm gonna let you take the reins on this. What is your unpopular opinion of the week Luke
1: So I have to say I only sort of half believe this but I have to I have to share it because there's a long standing long-standing disagreement between Stephen and I. I'm fully on the team Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota train. Steven's very much on the pro Jameis bandwagon. Um, you pointed out adeptly this morning that uh, it's actually becoming into a contest of who is less bad between these two quarterbacks, which I find interesting. <laughs> He's and true. Um, He's less bad. Yeah. But I do think that we, the NFL fans, need to confront the possibility that this is what we're getting from Jameis Winston. You know, like, this is a... I think his ceiling is... You'd be a fool to say his ceiling uh, isn't higher than Marcus Mariota's. It is. You know, he's got a better arm. He's got this, like, leadership. He's got the intangibles. He's got better arm. He's got... Um, at his best, he looks incredible. But we still, you know, what, we're three years or two, three years into his NFL career and we're still... But people can... Coaches lose their jobs saying that. You know, there there comes a point where it's not about age, it's about reps, right? You see this all the time in soccer players too, where somebody is only 24 and he's only 24, he can write the ship, he's got plenty of time. But you've seen so many minutes of him and you've seen the same things happen that it becomes less about age and it becomes more about what is he showing you when he's on the field. And I think Jameis hasn't shown us I think as much improvement as we keep saying at the beginning of every season. I mean, at the beginning of every season. It's this is the year Jameis Winston is going. It's been back-to-back seasons of this. This is the year he's going to break out. This is the year he becomes an MVP player, and we've yet to see it. And he was, you know, I, granted there are injury concerns, which I'm sure you'll touch on. But, um, but I, but I do think that these are some questions that need to be asked about a former first round, first overall pick.
0: Yeah, I, you're absolutely. I can't disagree with you, and I would really love to because I've been team Jameis. From just so let's rehash the argument that I've always made, uh, which you've now heard two years in a row, which is Jameis Winston is the guy you want over Marcus Mariota because his upside and we keep talking about upside, upside, upside. When does that upside run out? And the answer is, it's I think it's kind of run out a little bit. He's yeah, shoulder injury. That's huge. You know, through two interceptions against the Carolina Panthers, didn't really look like the same quarterback that he was supposed to be. And then you look at Marcus Mariota, who's dealing with a hamstring injury. There's a guy, you know, who I, I liked his consistency, but was did he ever have more upside than that? And I thought actually from a fantasy standpoint, this was this was Mariota's season to kind of break out because he had better personnel around him. He had, And he, you know, still conceivably could. He's coming off the bye. Uh, he'll have that hamstring rested. We'll see if that actually kind of plays out. Um, I'm a little worried, though, that Marcus Mariota is a little injury prone. You know, he's had a major injury last year, the hamstring injury this year. Uh, it, it, you know, the guy likes to run. It, it, is it going to, you know, kind of come to fruition that he stays healthy and can continue to kind of be the, the dual threat that he is? Esther um, Winston? I don't think it's that unpopular to think that, that his upside is capped and that maybe this is what uh, we're going to get out of him. And that just means a few really explosive games and some really bad ones. And is that, like, the worst thing in, in the NFL? No, it, but it's not first overall pick kind of stuff.
1: And it's also, you know, like, again, it's the, it's the recurrence of these mistakes. That, that And that, this is the thing that's holding him back, right? Like, sometimes it's easy to look at upside. It's fun to look at upside. But you need to evaluate your downside risk of this stuff, too. And you know, we've seen now, um, I haven't, I actually have it in front of me. We have, he's played 39 games, his career in 10 of those games. He's thrown at least two picks or more. Um, he's, he's thrown three or more picks in five of those games. So, and, 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 and we look through it. Look, he's thrown, uh, he threw four picks in a game in 2015. He threw four picks in a game in 2016. In 2017, he's already thrown a three pick game, you know, 2016, he threw three pick. So like, he's prone to these kind of bomb outs. Um, and, and you sort of think that these uh, these explosions, um, you know, he, four I'm, I'm looking at now, four of these 10 games in which he's thrown more than one interception, he's ended with no touchdowns either. So these aren't just like, break it open, um, shootout games. These are James Winston has exploded this game. So, you know, one, yeah. so one of every four games, James Winston explodes. That's what you get from your franchise quarterback. I don't know. Like, again, I, I'm, I have to temper this and say, there is still time for him to get this right. And I wouldn't even be fully surprised if he did, but, but I, I think we need to confront the possibility that, um, that, that it feels more like a stagnation now than a, he's ready to, he's ready to spike, um, potential.
0: Yeah, and I, it, it, I think Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans would agree with you. Uh, here's my unpopular opinion, and, and this just has to do with what uh, Deshaun Watson did yesterday. Um, I don't think the Seattle Seahawks are winning a playoff game this year. Right now, that's my feeling. Um, going into this week, they were favored 5.5 uh, over the Houston Texans, and I thought that was absurd. Yeah, they're playing at home, but they're also playing one of the hottest quarterbacks in the league, and the Seahawks haven't been able to do anything – uh, much on offense, yes, they've looked a little bit better, but the offensive line is is trash, and the defense is just uh, you know still there, but little, you know a little step closer. And then you kind of look at the standings right now, and they're five and two. They're they're uh, you know up on, in, in the NFC West with the the Rams just right behind them at five and two, um, or the same record I'd say at five and two. But think about it this way: say the Seattle Seahawks win the division, but they end up with one of the you know this the last two records of of the uh, the division winners, they could be facing like the Cowboys or the Eagles in the first round. Is that a game that you really want them winning? I mean, yes, they'd be hosting, uh, but we just saw it yesterday. They were prone to uh, giving up a lot of points. It had home at the vaunted, you know, Seahawks, uh, uh, CenturyLink century link field. Like, is that really the team that we think is going to win the, uh, the, the NFC? Like, I don't know. I'm starting to have a lot of doubts here. Um, I think, you know, I I've said it all along we, we talked about kind of our hidden, Uh, Super Bowl picks from from a betting point of view I think the Cowboys probably are the 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 team to beat right now and I think the Seahawks are the team that will will kind of bomb out in the playoffs and suddenly we're going to look at a a very questionable offseason
1: yeah you know I am a sucker for a good defense so um I I, and I do think that I do buy into the cliche that defense wins you championships because I think it does um but that said when you have an incredible defense as the Seahawks do have. Um, but an offense that sort of sputters, it, it doesn't leave you much room for error, right? Like it just yep. leaves one, not even one good game from an opposing quarterback in the playoffs. A few good throws from, you know, one one flash of old Ben Roethlisberger and suddenly this sort of crawling offense that Seattle seems to have um, makes it really tough for them to get back in the game. its I also think it's interesting that while they've only lost Two games this season. Um, they've only—they're uh, actually not fantastic against the spread. They've only covered—they've uh, only covered three of these seven games. Which, to, which to me, sort of speaks to this problem where when you're not when you're not great at putting points on the board and you're constantly the favorite, um, it makes it hard to cover big spreads. And that just means we're in playoffs where it's a bit more of a coin flip. Suddenly, it just becomes—you're um, sort of inviting a bit too much variance into that equation.
0: Also, you you mentioned something that was very significant. The one-dimensional offense is so one-dimensional that the the Seahawks ran for negative yards yesterday. Negative yards, people. Okay? Eddie Lacy, terrible. Uh, Thomas Rawls, terrible. And and this is where I I throw in a little fantasy tip. If you have a fantasy team like I do, uh, five of them, you're going to go and staff CJ Procees, who's their sort of, you know, pass catcher out of the backfield. I kind of wonder if they give him a lot more looks. Given that the the running back situation there is so god awful, um, will it help? Maybe, but you know he's a guy I've stashed in a few weeks just thinking maybe the Seahawks go to him at some point and 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 see if if he really could be a full time uh, running back. Uh, but man, yeah, when you talk about a team that's one dimensional. Like the New York Giants were like that last year. Great defense, one dimensional offense. There and they bowed out. So it could happen. All right, let's keep going. We do. Would you rather? Let's do this one quick. Would you rather be a fantasy owner of of Joe Mixon or or Carlos Hyde? And I'll start as as the fantasy geek here. I want to just complain about Joe Mixon. I mean, the guy broke off a big uh, pass catch yesterday, but otherwise his usage has just been down. He's behind that terrible uh, Bengals line, and it's just like every week everyone's hyping Joe Mixon. As am I. Like, oh my god, this is the week against the you know poorest Colts rush defense, and he hasn't done it. I'm just asking. Um, Lazar Laser and, and, and that uh, offense. Just let him go. Just give him like thirty carries one day and see what he can do because he is supremely talented. Um, but right now, I'd be rather be a fantasy owner of Carlos Hyde with your 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 ex boy, I should say, Luke Kyle Shanahan. Uh, you know, he's taking on kind of the Devonte Freeman role. He's he's been catching passes like crazy and he's running pretty well and he's as solid as a running back two as you want in, in fantasy. So I would rather have. Carlos Hyde right now but I'm stuck in two leagues with with Joe Mixon I'm still hopeful that Mixon's upside uh is 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 realized at some point this season
1: you know I I wouldn't even bother trying to disagree with you because you is just one step ahead when when it comes to fantasy and everything
0: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough uh let's move on to start bench cut we play a little game of and this is not us telling you to start bench or cut any of these folks but sort of a a little game of of um uh what what, what do we call it safely um marriage or you know uh you know the game. The game we uh,
1: used to play in college. Yes.
0: There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Luke, would you? What would you do with these three names if you were forced to start bench or cut them? Uh, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, or Cam Newton?
1: Uh, it's a pay- It's a painful question um, because I- I've been trying to justify. A way out of my answer, but I just can't do it. So for my starting, I would go with Russell Wilson. Um, even though he's not really lighting it up, I think he is incredibly good at being efficient with his stats. Right, like not only does he have more yards than both the other two, he also has uh almost more touchdowns combined than the other two. And he's only he, he's he's also incredibly good even when he's not playing well. And I think this is what a lot of people sleep on with Russell Wilson that um even when his offense is sort of stagnating and he's getting rushed and he's not got a lot of time on the ball, he's incredibly good at limiting his interceptions. Um, He's got the eighth best interception percentage in the league. And for a guy who's constantly under pressure and scrambling and um, maybe injured, a a lot of people were saying at the beginning of the season, I I think you kind of know to an extent what you're getting from Russell Wilson. So um, I'll go with start him. um, And then for my bench, Even though I want to say Matt Ryan, I'm going to have to say Cam Newton because... Yes, uh, I
0: got to admit you'd cut Matt Ryan. Yeah,
1: You succeeded, Charles. Congratulations. You made me cut (laughs) Matt Ryan. Um, You know, I just think that as we sort of said earlier, I think that the trajectory of the Panthers is trending up. Like it really wouldn't surprise me if in a month or, you know, in a month and a half or whatever, when we're preparing for the NFL playoffs, that people are talking about the Panthers being the form team you know, oh, they figured out how to run the ball and Cam Newton is now, the offense is diversified and no one knows how to handle Cam Newton. It really wouldn't surprise me if we're having that conversation. And even though we haven't had it yet, um, and there were sort of rumors of Cam Newton being playing through some injuries early in the season, I think we're sort of heading in that direction. Whereas for the Falcons and for Matt Ryan, this just looks like a season of Super Bowl hangover, a season that, um, that looks like it's sort of if not trending down, it's going to stay at this sort of level. So for that reason, I'm going with Cam Newton.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's the only way to go right now. I think you start Russell Wilson, you know, the guy, look at what he did yesterday. That was insane. Uh, You bench Cam Newton with the hope for now that he, he figures it out a little bit more throughout the season and kind of comes back to where he was a couple of years ago. And right now, you got to cut Matt Ryan. He, the offense is sputtering. They can't figure it out. The guy, you know, fumbled a couple of uh, of snaps yesterday in the cold uh, rain in, in New Jersey. So uh, right now, Matt Ryan is, is on my cut list, sadly. But things can change. Uh, all right. As we do, we'll, we'll uh, end the show with uh, our top five teams, um, uh, sort of our power rankings. Uh, each of us will. I'll lead off with uh, mine. Not a huge change for me from last week. Uh, I'm, I'm leading with the Patriots. Next is the Steelers. I think they've started to figure it out. And I think Ben Roethlisberger is starting to you know get a little more comfortable in that offense. Juju Smith-Schuster, by the way, is is a huge second uh, uh, receiver boost for that team. Had a huge day yesterday. Um, I switched the Eagles and the Cowboys. I had the Eagles, I think, fifth last week. They're third right now. I'm still believing that they can win the NFC, maybe have the best record in the NFC if they keep this up. Except... Number four, the Cowboys are there. Uh, So we'll see, you know, their two matchups, how that kind of uh, levels uh, the the NFC East a little bit. And then the Chiefs, who will play tonight, I still think they're a top five team. You got to keep them there. And maybe they they move up the rankings here. Luke, what do you got?
1: So I think the Patriots are first. I think, uh, you know, all these questions over their defense, I think Bill Belichick has schemed his way to figure it out, as as he usually does. Um, I don't. It's tough because, like you said, I think we both have concerns over the Eagles, but that said, they've won seven of their eight games, right? They look incredible. Yep. Um, I, I can't, even though I'm not sure it'll hold, for now, if we're power-ranking this, I think you have to put the Eagles at number two. Um, I, can't, I can't think of a way around it. Uh, the Steelers, too, I think, you know, uh, it, the, the more and more you look at the, what, what we've seen from them this uh, so far, the, that loss against the Jags, who actually look okay, especially from a defensive perspective this season. Um, That was a bit more of an anomaly than a sort of sign of things to come. So I'd put the Steelers at three. Um, Four, I guess I'd go the Cowboys. Like I said, I think they're sort of swinging up. I think this Ezekiel Elliott stuff is sort of overshadowed. They're still a really good football team and one that has gotten better on the defensive side of the ball um, in terms of – or gotten younger, I should say, on the defensive side of the ball. I think that will serve them well. And then five uh, the Vikings. I like their defense. Um, I, I think I, I think they, uh, their quarterback situations is obviously a concern, but I, I'm a, I've got a soft spot for Mike Zimmer, and I do think that a uh, good defense can keep you far, it can, can keep you in a lot of games, it can get you far, and they're surrounded in a pretty weak division too, which is going to help them out.
0: Yeah, uh, can't argue with that. I loved it. I loved hearing that Vikings game and then seeing the highlights later. They look really good. Well, Luke, thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, next week, Stephen, hopefully we'll be back to trash you on the air. Uh, so it, the back and forth will continue. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next week.